0: of the manor of Westbury in the fair county of Nottinghamshire casting my mind back forty years scratching out these lines as quickly as I may and rekindling my old half-forgotten skills he is a delightful lad Alan strong-limbed cheerful clean and obedient with a fine seat on a horse and an ear for a pretty tune though he cannot sing a true note he serves as a squire to the Earl of Loxley "'Not my old friend Robin, who has long been in his grave, alas, "'but his vigorous son, the new Earl. "'Alan is being trained in warfare and gentility at Kirkton Castle, "'and seemingly has a respectable amount of talent with a blade, "'and I have received good reports of his courtly conduct too. "'But my grandson has almost no notion of events "'that took place before his birth, fourteen short summers ago. "'He knows nothing.' and is oddly incurious about his grandmother, Goody, my beloved but blazing-tempered wife, and about his own father, Robert, our son. Alan seems to believe that our good Henry of Winchester has been on the throne of England for an eternity since time began, when it has been no more than four-and-twenty years. And, while he has heard garbled tales of the noble sovereign King Richard and his long wars in France, He once asked me, I believe quite seriously, if it was true that he had had a lion's head. So, it is for young Alan, in order that he might learn the truth of these long-ago struggles, and the men and women who took part in them, that I set down this tale, this tragic tale of cruel wars and savage devastation, of ugly, unnecessary deaths, and the inevitable search for bloody vengeance. Prince John was on his knees. The youngest son of old King Henry, second monarch of that name, and brother of Lion-Hearted Richard, now cowered on the greasy, fishy-smelling rushes on the floor of a rundown manor house in Normandy. Tears streamed from reddened eyes down his pale cheeks, and he clutched at the right hand of his elder brother who was standing over him. John's thick, shoulder-length reddish hair brushing the back of Richard's hand his oily teardrops anointing the king's knuckles as he babbled of mercy and forgiveness, swearing before Almighty God and all the saints that he would be a loyal man, a true subject from this moment forth and forever, if only his generous brother could find it in his heart to forgive him. Richard remained silent, looking down coldly at his disheveled sibling. But he did not pull his hand away. I was watching this strange performance in the solar of the old manor house of Lisieux, in northern Normandy, some thirty miles east of Caen. I was in the small, crowded room off the main hall, standing with a score of knights a pace or two behind King Richard, and I must admit that I was thoroughly enjoying the spectacle. Prince John, once titled Lord of Ireland and Count of Mortain who had until recently enjoyed the enormous revenues of the plump English counties of Gloucestershire, Nottinghamshire, Somerset, Devon and Cornwall, was once again John Lackland, a man without a clod of earth to his name. Yet his fall was richly deserved, for John had a list of black crimes to his credit as long as my lance. When King Richard had been captured and imprisoned in Germany the year before, This snivelling prince had made an attempt to snatch the throne of England, and he had very nearly succeeded. He had schemed with Richard's enemy, King Philip Augustus of France, to keep the Lionheart imprisoned, hampering the collection of the enormous sum in silver that Richard's captor, the Holy Roman Emperor, had demanded, and even going so far as to join the French king in making a counter-offer to the emperor if he would hold his brother in chains for another year. But he had failed, God be praised. The ransom had been painfully gathered from an already tax racked English populace and paid over, and Richard had been freed. On his release, the Lionheart had crushed the rebellion in England in a matter of weeks. Then, just a few days prior to this painful scene, he had crossed to Normandy with a large, well-provisioned army of seasoned fighting men. His avowed aim was to push King Philip and his French troops out of the eastern part of his duchy which they had annexed during his long imprisonment and contain them in the Île-de-France the traditional landlocked fief of the French kings. And Prince John who would